Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me in the back? All right, so I want to stick to form here. I have some plush emoji pillows, and I want to see the best love faces in the audience. We're going to be talking about love today. Let me see the best faces of love. Some of y'all's faces of love are like hideous. These are lovely love faces right here. Let me see some faces of love. Bill Blake, dude, all, all day long. Uh, faces of love, faces of love. You guys just look so beautiful. Give me a face of love right here. Look at this guy. Yes. Faces of love over here. There's a good one right there, Holly. Any faces of love right here, you guys. Love. Look at you. Look at you. Way over the back. Ah, oh, I just threw my last one. This guy over here gets a round of applause from us. He didn't get the pillow, but the face of love was awesome. So um, we are we are wrapping up our series called Emoji. And the series has been based around how to handle emotion the way our Lord Jesus Christ handles emotion. And love is a tough one. Love is a tough one. For example, you guys did a much better job a couple of weeks ago showing me your anger faces than you did your love faces. <laughs> right. Now, well, an argument, some people up on the front over on the left are saying, I didn't spend enough time in this area looking at the love faces. But really, and this is kind of the point this morning, and I want you guys to tune in. It's still early in the sermon, but I want you guys to tune in. Real, authentic, Christ-like love is really hard. It's really difficult to love the way the Lord Jesus Christ loved. And I want to talk through some of what that is about, why it's difficult to really love the way Jesus loved. And I want to talk about how to love like he loved and what that means. And in our culture, we've talked a lot about love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me, right? We would all recognize that. What's love got to do with it? I will always love you. Lots of uh, uh, lyricists have tried to come up with ways of describing love. I got some poems uh, some parts of some poems and some quotes from some guys that have also tried to describe love. Henry David Thoreau, a very prolific author, said, The solution and the remedy to love is to love more. Maybe you're in the audience and you've loved somebody so passionately it just seemed overwhelming. The solution to being that overwhelmed with love is definitely to love more. We're going to see some of those themes come out in what we're going to read today. But some of you have loved somebody and you've been hurt. And the pain that you feel makes you want to wall yourself up from the whole world. The solution in that place is to just love more. Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote a famous poem. The end of the poem that he wrote says this. I hold it true. Whatever befall. I feel it when I sorrow most. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Some of you under the sound of my voice this morning have loved and have lost loved ones. Man, it's tough to find the strength to keep on loving after you've had 
that kind of a broken heart. We're going to talk through a little bit this morning how to keep love alive in your life. Can I read you some Shakespeare, church? Church, I said, can I read you some Shakespeare? Come on now. So this is from Romeo and Juliet, Act 1, Scene 1. This is Romeo talking about love. Let me read this to you. Love is a smoke raised with the fume of sighs, being purged of fire sparkling in lovers' eyes, being vexed a sea nourished with loving tears. What is it else? A madness most discreet, a choking gall, and a preserving sweet. Now, these, these are the younger uh, ladies and gentlemen in our church over here. All of them are blushing now that I've read some Shakespeare and talked about love. So we talk about love in our culture a lot. Because really, honestly, I believe love is the very fabric of our lives. Love is the thing that weaves our whole entire planet together. And what, what's tragic is that love really is difficult. Turn on the news. Listen to the most recent political convention. Listen to the conventions upcoming. The ingredient that's usually missing from every major platform in the world is the kind of love demonstrated by the Lord Jesus Christ. From beginning to end, the Bible is a love story. From beginning to end, the Bible is about God's love for His creation and His attempt at demonstrating that and bringing His creation to Himself through the greatest example of love ever lived in Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm kind of saying some funny poetic stuff and quoting some 80s and 90s pop music. But you know, Jesus Christ really had some incredible things to say and to teach us about love. I want to give you two of those just to start out this morning. Jesus is asked by the religious leaders of his day, what is the greatest of all commandments? These individuals were trying to trap Jesus by the asking of their question and the way that they ask it. And Jesus answered in the language of love. You'll be familiar with this, I hope. It's in Matthew 22, starting in verse 37. Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, Jesus says something that we read it thematically over the course of the gospel narrative. He says, but you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And now we're beginning to understand the nature and the essence of the type of love that Jesus lived in his life. This wasn't some artificial aspiration to love people. It was an actual value to demonstrate authentic love. 
There are two chapters in the Bible, really, that are all about love. One is our text for today. I would like for you to go there. That's John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, if you were to ask me, Trent, which chapter in the Bible is the love in action chapter in the Bible? I would say it's this chapter, John chapter 13. Most of us could identify the love chapter if asked. That's 1 Corinthians, also chapter 13. But 1 Corinthians 13, we get a powerful theological description of what love is. And in John, the 13th chapter, we get a powerful description of what love does. And in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says something profound that's very much going to inform How we approach love in our own lives. Let's pick up our text there. John chapter 13. The Bible says this in verse 34. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. I want to talk to you this morning about the way to live the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are three steps if you want to live the love of Jesus Christ that you need to follow in your life. If you want to live the love of Jesus Christ, first you've got to know it. You've got to know the love of Jesus Christ. Second, you've actually got to show it. And the third, you've got to grow it. So I want you to say those three words with me. Know, show, and grow. Say that again. Know, show, and grow. Last time, know, show, and grow. So when you leave today and you're driving in your car and you've forgotten 10% of what I've said because it's going to be so powerful, you're only going to forget 10%. I want you to at least to be able to say those three things. To live the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. I've got to know that love. I've got to show that love. And I've got to grow that love. The reason it's hard for some people to really know the love of Jesus Christ is because they've never fully experienced it. Some either listening online or some people under the sound of my voice are what I would call fence riders. You like to come to church because of the cool people here and the nice things that we say. And you like to listen to the awesome, cool music. And you like to learn something. But you're not actually experiencing and knowing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in your own life. There's one or two reasons for that. Some of you are simply not reborn. You're here, but you've never been regenerated. You're still under the old Adam. And the only remedy for being condemned is to be reborn. You feel the urge, the compulsion, the desire to really truly love, to live the life that God has has set up for you. And He gives you freely the opportunity to live it, but you're riding the fence, either because you're entertaining the old life, or because you're too afraid of what things the new life might demand of you. Yes, sir. And my challenge for you this morning is to really know, to be willing to take the step to be reborn into the Lord Jesus Christ so that you might fully know the love of Jesus. If you don't know it, friends, you can't live it. If you don't know it, you can't live it. 
And 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 the next thing I want to say when when Jesus says in John thirteen thirty four. As I have loved you, what he's asking them to do is to call to mind how he has demonstrated already up to that point his love for them. He says, you guys, as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. But you're going to have to remember the ways I've demonstrated the love that I have for each of you. And this is why we're called John 13, the love in action chapter. If 1 Corinthians is 13, love described... If 1 Corinthians 13 is love described, John 13 is love demonstrated. Let's back up in John chapter 13 to verse 2. Let's back up to John chapter 13 and verse 2. The Bible describes this story of the love of Jesus Christ. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and He had come from God and was returning to God. So He got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing and wrapped a towel around His waist. And after that, He poured water into a basin and He began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around Him. He says, guys, you, as I have loved you, you've got to love one another. But remember what I've just done, how I've just served you. And this is the way Jesus shows his love to them. And he shows his love to them in three primary areas. The first is that he's selfless. Jesus' love is truly a selfless type of love. In this room at this moment in time are three individuals that are really important to inform us about the nature of this situation. The first individual that's present is a man named Thomas. He was in Jesus' inner circle. He would have seen the miracles that Jesus Christ did. And after Jesus is crucified and buried, Thomas is filled with doubt. Jesus knew Thomas was going to doubt. And still in that moment decides to wash Thomas' feet. The other person in that room is the denier, a man that we know as the Apostle Peter. Peter not only was a member of Jesus' inner circle, but he was a part of the inner inner circle. Peter, James, and John were Jesus' really close inner three. And we're not going to read this today, but in John chapter 13, Jesus tells Peter, Hey, I know what you're going to do. And I know there's going to come a point where the pressure on you is going to be great and you are going to deny me. Not once or twice. But three times. But Jesus still washes his feet. And also in that group is the betrayer himself, Judas Iscariot. The man that Jesus was aware was going to sell him to be crucified. And betray the friendship and love that Jesus felt for him. You see, there was no benefit for Jesus to wash these guys' feet to him. It was simply a way of him to demonstrate the selfless love that he felt for them in the midst of this gathering at this meal. But not only was his love selfless, it was also humble. If you do some research on foot washing in Jesus' day, this wouldn't have been even a task that would have been allowed for Jewish slaves to perform. As a rule, this task would have been 
given to non-national Jews, Gentiles, who also were slaves, because it was such a humiliating and degrading experience. I want to illustrate this with a story uh, from my recent past. I had the opportunity to go uh, rock climbing. I'm going to show you some pictures about that in just a, a couple of minutes. But as I was hiking through some mountains, I picked the worst possible shoes I could have possibly worn. I bought some cheap bargain shoes at TJ Maxx. Anybody else out there shopping at TJ Maxx? Okay, 90% of the women in the room were identifying with me in that moment. What does that say about me? Don't answer that question, right? So at TJ Maxx, I bought these shoes on, on sale. It was like a, a sale on sale. And they made my feet feel like they were molten lava on this whole climbing trip. But there were another group of individuals on the trail whose feet looked like they were in worse condition with, than mine. And they were individuals who were wearing sandals with these big packs on their back. And you could just see the pain on these guys' feet. Tape everywhere, blood looking like it was cu- coming through. I mean, it was nasty. I'm talking about gross. The other thing that was gross, these guys were like caked with dirt all the way almost up to their knees. It, it was just the worst possible look imaginable. Now, it's hard for us to identify with what a person's feet might look like if they're wearing sandals all the time. That honestly was a really good way for me to get in touch with that on this climbing trip. But this would have been the way people's feet in Jesus' time looked always. Because they would have worn sandals everywhere they went. Feet that were beaten and battered by the road that people had been traveling. Feet that were dirty as a result of the mileage these individuals had put in. And Jesus' group was a group of traveling companions. I can't imagine the condition some of these guys' feet may have been in. And I mean that in the worst way possible. And still, our Lord Jesus Christ, hear this church, the Lord of the universe, sits down and washes not just one man's feet or two man's feet, but each man's feet that were present at the meal, including The men who would doubt, deny, and betray him. That's humble love. That's selfless love. And you know what else it is? It's diligent love. That's how Jesus shows his love. It's selfless, it's humble, and it's diligent. If you got your um, iPhone or iPad or if you got your Bible or whatever device you're reading on, turn in, in your Bible to Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Leviticus, third book of the Bible, lots of laws and, and, and tabernacle uh, building requirements in Leviticus. In Leviticus 19 and 18, the Bible says something that really is important for our discussion today. Leviticus 19:18, the Bible says this. Let me read it to you. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now here's a command in Leviticus that says, love your neighbor as yourself. But in John chapter 13 and verse 34, Jesus says essentially the same thing, except he calls it a new command. In John 13, 34, Jesus says a a new command I'm giving you. As I have loved you, so I want you to love each other. That command doesn't sound new to those hearers who would have been familiar with what the book of Leviticus has to say about how we should love others. You see, the command has been around for a while. 
The idea has been around for a while. But listen to this, guys. The demonstration of the idea had never been around. People had access to the knowledge that they needed to love one another for a long time. All the religious leaders of Jesus' day would have been able to quote this particular verse. But they still didn't get it because they really had never tried to demonstrate it. You see, true authentic love for people in Jesus' day? Get this. True authentic love for people in Jesus' day was just like true authentic love for people in our day. True authentic love for people in Jesus' day was like true authentic love for people in our day. We aspire to actually love people, but we're not actively, authentically loving them. And there's a difference between an aspiration and authenticity. For a lot of us, you guys, for a lot of us. No, no, no. For most of us. For all of us. We can muster up an attitude of love. We can. In one moment, we can muster up an attitude of love. But to actually, authentically love somebody requires more than most of us are willing to give. To really, actually, authentically love somebody simply requires more than most of us are willing to give. Jesus is in mixed company here. Some people he's close to and some people he knows are going to betray him. And he still loves each of these individuals unconditionally. Are you hearing me this morning, friends? He loves these people unconditionally. This is how you got to show the love of Jesus Christ. You really have to love in a way that's selfless, where there's no benefit to you. And you got to love in a way that is humble. Where you might be willing to be embarrassed and even humiliated because of the lengths you're willing to go to show and demonstrate the love you have for the people that God has placed in your life. And you got to be diligent. you got to really demonstrate it. you got to put some sweat equity in. Don't just speak it, but live it. Let me show you two pictures. This is a picture of a place called Half Dome. So this is where I got to hike. And the peak of Half Dome is about 10,000 feet. That rock face that's flat, and I'm telling you, it's perfectly flat, is about 3,500 feet. And the distance from the base of Half Dome down the uh, mountain that it sits on to the valley floor is another probably four or 5,000 feet. So from the very top looking down, it's almost 10,000 feet straight down. Those of you who know me know that I am afraid of heights. But you can ask David Bromley, this is not like a, a, a small little, ooh, it makes me uncomfortable. This is like at high elevation, I'm like grabbing on to objects and holding on for dear life. So I didn't know that this looked like this. A buddy of mine invites me to go hiking. And as I'm hiking up, this is actually, that was actually my view. I could see it just like that. And so we hike all the way around it. This is me hiking up. The side of it, it feels almost vertical. That's a friend of mine taking a picture. And that's me with the vice grip on these two cables looking down. The word petrified does not do justice to how I was feeling in that moment. So let me tell you a story that I hope will kind of illustrate how to show the love of Jesus Christ in your lives. Okay? 
I promise you, my hands are so tight on these cables that you would, it would probably take a pretty strong man to pull my hands off of them. So as I'm walking, I'm never actually letting go. I'm just loosening enough to force a hand up. Step, step. Okay. So right in front of my friend in this picture is a lady who is frozen on the cables in complete terror. A foreign lady who is who who has a hold of two cables like this and cannot move. She's so completely frozen in terror. To get to her, my friend has to go under. The cables are right here. He ducks under the cables and climbs on the outside of the cables up to where this lady is. My heart is pounding just watching him do that. My heart was already about to beat out of my chest. So he's up there, and he's a way bigger stud than I am. And he's like, ma'am, tell me what's going on wrong. On wrong. Can, I, can I help you? He says, the summit's just up ahead, which was a lie. There's a false summit, and it's like another little bit to go, which gets even scarier. No, no, he's a great guy, but he's talking to her. And then I hear him call out to me, Trent, can you come on up here? <clears throat> and so, man, in that moment, you're so terrified, you really can't even say no. So I'm walking up, and i got to pass a couple of guys, so I'm reaching around them. And then I'm coming up, and I pass a couple of guys, and I get to her. And I'm thinking to myself, because he knows I'm a preacher, he's going to want me to pray over this lady. Which I'm happy to do, because I've been in an attitude and spirit of prayer since I saw that stinking rock face. <laughs> and so he says, listen, I'm going to help you up. And I've got a friend who is going to carry your pack the rest of the way. And I'm like, thank God he knows somebody behind me who is going to help this lady. And after I pray for her, that person is going to come to the rescue. And so he's like, Trent, would you put this lady's pack on? And I was looking at him like this. She's frozen in terror looking ahead. And I'm like, no way, man. So I, I somehow, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the peer pressure of my buddy, end up getting this pack on my back on the side of this mountain. It was a terrifying, miserable experience, but I learned two things in that moment. Uh, The first is that I could do more than I thought that I could do. I didn't, if you'd have asked me if I could even finish this, I almost did back out at the base of this, but if you'd have asked me to finish, I would have said, I don't don't know if I can. But if you'd have said, can I pass a few people on the way up like I know what I'm doing and take over a lady's pack for her, and still finish the journey myself, I said, yeah, right. But I could do more in that moment than I really realized I could do. And the second thing I realized is that I could do it for longer than I thought I could do it. And so often that's where we, that's where the enemy in our lives, are you getting this, guys? That's where the enemy in our lives beats us. Is, is we get to a point in our Christian walk where we're really trying to live the love of Jesus. And we're doing it selflessly and humbly and diligently. We're putting some effort in. But we get to that point where we got to let go a little bit. And instead of letting go, we freeze up and hang on and hunker down. And that's right where the enemy wants us. And so those two things I learned about myself as I'm climbing the mountain are two things I know. Listen to me, are two things I know you're going to learn about you. The first is, you can do things that you don't believe are actually possible for you to do. And the second is, you're going to be able to do those things longer than you realize you can actually do them. The last thing I want to mention to you this morning is, not just you got to know the love 
And not that you've got to show the love, but you've got to grow the love. Some of us expect our ability to demonstrate and show the love of Jesus Christ to function the same way we function when we were trying to get through college. Wait right up until the very last minute, and then the night before, I know I'm going to have to do something big and crazy. I put in all this effort, stay up all night, drink tons of coffee, and expect my performance to be stellar. And in college, lots of us had that mentality, and we had to adopt the slogan, C's get degrees. And we settled for being average. And the same thing is true for lots of us in our spiritual life, man. We know something's coming up and we want to cram the day before with scripture reading and with prayer and hope that in the moment that next day, God's going to show up and anoint us. And and you know what, guys? I praise God that we do serve a faithful God who so often does bless us in those moments, even though really we don't deserve it. But to really grow the love of Jesus Christ in our lives, we've got to act more like farmers, Working diligently and daily, demonstrating love in every area of our lives that we can. In other words, it takes time over talent. That's what I want you to remember about that. Some of you guys are talented individuals. you got great personalities. You can give a good handshake and a great smile and convince people that you really love them. But that's so cheap compared to the investment of time really required to grow the love of Jesus Christ in the lives of the people that you interact with on a day-to-day basis. So my challenge to you is as you go about growing the love of Christ, that you put some time into the demonstration of love you give to the place in which you live. To grow love, you got to finish strong. To grow love, you gotta take it all the way. You gotta take it to the finish line. You don't give up halfway in the middle of the race and all of a sudden bow out. You keep going all the way to the very end. If you back up to John chapter 13 and verse 1, the, 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 the love demonstrated chapter, the Bible says this, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour would come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, What did he do? What did he do as a result of knowing his hour was come? Does he tuck tail and run right when it's going to get tough? How does he grow that kind of love in the community that he lives in? The Bible says this, he loved them to the very end. Isn't that beautiful? He knew these guys were going to doubt. He knew these guys were going to deny. He knew some of them were even going to betray. And he loved them to the very end. To grow the love of God, you've got to invest time over talent, you've got to finish strong, and you've got to send a really, really loud message. Jesus' followers weren't aware of the cost the love Jesus had for them would demand on his life at this moment. But we are. We're aware that the love Jesus Christ had for these individuals was going to cost him something precious, something of, of exponential value, something priceless. It was going to actually cost him his life. And he was willing to surrender it all to give everything he had to demonstrate the love he had for those that he loved. Because he wanted the world to be filled with that kind of love. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God, 
made Jesus sin for us. He who knew no sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We didn't deserve that. We didn't earn it. But he gave it to us. To grow the love of Jesus in your life, what are you willing to surrender? To grow the love of Jesus Christ in your life, what are you willing to surrender? And this is so laughable to me. Here's where my mind goes, to be totally honest. I might be willing to give up some of my TV time in the evenings to really love on somebody. I may be willing to take somebody out for a meal. I may be willing to invite somebody over to my house one night this upcoming week to really demonstrate my love. for them. That's where my mind goes. You know why that's laughable? Because compared to the sacrifice of Jesus, that kind of sacrifice is almost invisible. And that's why so many of us get frozen up on those cables in our life. Right when the moment to really authentically, actually love somebody collides with our lives, we freeze. Because we forget the, the cost of the kind of love that Jesus is asking us to demonstrate. Let me tell you one other thing about this. When Jesus is talking here in John 13, he's not talking about your love for people who are not saved. He's not. What he says is the way you love other people who say they love me too. That is the loudest message you're going to be able to send to the rest of the world. They're going to see the love you have for each other. And they're going to say, what is going on with these people? They're willing to give up everything they have for the benefit of some other person who claims the name of Jesus Christ. That so doesn't make sense. How is that even possible? You want revival to break out across this nation? You want our community to be transformed and healed? Then you ask yourself, what are you willing to give up to really grow the love of Jesus Christ in your life? God, that we would all be challenged by that. I don't know what the need is in your life, but man, God bless you whatever it is. And I want to tell you what, you can find the solution to whatever that need is right here today. I'm going to close in a prayer. And we're going to sing a song, and while we sing, we're going to invite you to come forward. Whatever burden you're carrying, we want to help you carry it. Let's pray. God, we, we, we just can't describe, I say that so often, but there isn't a word or words to say thanks. But thank you anyway for Jesus Christ and for the love you demonstrated through him on the cross. Help us to know that kind of love through experience by rebirth. And let us show it by selfless humility and a diligence that puts some sweat equity into that showing of love. God, we just ask that as a result, the love in our lives and in our families, in our communities, in our nation and across the world would grow so that this world is transformed. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Please stand while together we sing.